Chief. I'm Maxwell Smart. Wait, wait, wait. What? Hey, you guys. What? We just started. Hey, you guys. You'll never guess what I just got. What? Elizabeth, roll the clip. What's up, Drew, Ted, and Tumsey? This your boy, Jay Reed, Minnesota Viking 3D. Hey, I understand you guys are a great trio, just like me, Chris, and Moss. Hey, man, keep up the good work. I can't wait to see what you guys going to do next. I understand you guys are big Viking fans. I love Viking fans, but keep up the good work. And I can't, believe me, I can't wait to see what you guys are going to do next. Skull Vikings. Holy crap. Wow. Wow. Jake Reed, crazy. ladies and gentlemen. Wait, wait. The Jake Reed. Talk to the people, Ted. Talk to oh, oh, here. This is an awkward time where I have to say, yeah, that was right. That was Jake Reed that introduced the show. Oh, oh. Is, is he doing what I think he's doing? Ladies and gentlemen, that's Jake Reed's music. We've got a Jake Reed jersey up now. This is awesome. One of the key members of 3Deep, uh, he called us our own version of 3Deep. I like to consider us three shallow because I don't run. Boy, I hope this is the mess hall. How's it going, Eisenhower? That's, that's just me. <laughs> I don't know about you two, but I don't run. All right, so since we're going to flip this on its ear and do the Jake Reed segment, what do we got for Jake Reed, Drew? The thing I like best about Jake Reed put up a lot of big numbers for the Vikings with his time with Chris Carter. Matter of fact, he was a third round pick in 91. He was an actual pick. We got back from the Herschel Walker deal. So if anything really? came out of the Herschel Walker deal, it was good. It was Jake Reed. He, we used to pick wow. that we actually got in that deal. Talk about hit the ground running. He and Chris Carter, I think, set the record for receptions in 94 with over 200. I can't remember the exact amount. Carter, I think, had 122 that year. Jake Reed had 85. That would have led most teams, I would bet, that year. Yeah, I think in, in 94, I believe he was the second leading receiver in the entire NFL. So he Man. was, and then they got Moss. And the cool thing about Jake Reed, he didn't bitch and moan. He accepted his role as the third wide out. They would make defensive coordinators scramble because they'd try to double up Moss or Carter, and then Reed would kill you. Reed yeah. would just flat out kill you. He had 4,000-yard seasons for the Vikings. He played 10 years for the Vikings. He had 413 catches for like 6,500 yards, and he's still fourth all-time on the Viking receiver list. Is he really? Greatest, yes, he's one of the greatest receivers the Vikings have ever had. And he's kind of he's kind of overlooked in, in the pantheon of Vikings receivers. And it's not really his fault because in any other organization, he would have been one of those guys you think of first. But when you have guys like Randy Moss and Chris Carter and Anthony Carter and Ahmad Rashad and Sammy White and even going back to Gene Washington and John Gilliam back in the day, Jake Reed just kind of gets lost in the shuffle and, and he yeah. really shouldn't. I mean, he had, was it 94, 95, 96, 97, over a thousand yards. Lowest catch amount was 68 passes caught in that four year span. Just an incredible run. But he would he was just a phenomenal player for the Vikings. So yeah, he played nine playoff games. Is there a current Viking that's played on nine playoff games? I don't think so. The old purple people eaters, I mean, they they racked up the playoff games. Since ninety-eight, I, I would say he has probably the most appearances besides, you know, offensive linemen or whatever. But dude, Jake Reed, man, this is fake. Yeah. Like Chuck Foreman, Jake Reed, and we got to episode ten. And we're still on the air. We haven't been kicked off by the FCC. <laughs> We have people actually watching us. This is great. So This is great. You like me right now. You like me. Great. Thank you, great. Jake Reed. Thanks for everybody to tuning in. Toots, how are you doing? I'm so happy now. I <laughs> wasn't expecting that today. So it was an awesome surprise, and I just I couldn't be happier. This is great. 
Drew and I are just two dopes talking into a camera, and we're yeah, talking they, football. Tunes and Liz do all the hard work, and I can't thank them enough for, for everything they do to make this show go. Stuff like, you know, getting Jake Reed to do. Jake Reed, man! Because of, you know... Jake Reed. The effort, yeah, the Jake Reed promo. And because of the effort Liz and, and Tunes do, we're able to do things like do a live draft show on Thursday, April 29th, the night of the first round of the NFL draft. Chris Gates will be one of our co-hosts. Chris Gates, fearless leader, the, the agent provocateur of Dude, the Daily Norseman. Whenever you have a chance to sit and listen to Chris Gates, you tune in. So don't yeah. miss it, people. Uh, live on our YouTube channel, we are going to have a Justin Jefferson jersey giveaway at some point during the show either drew or myself will say a secret word or phrase right now we don't know what that is and you'll see a big graphic on the screen as we say it when you see that go into the youtube comments and type in what that secret phrase is and boom you're entered it's that simple you can enter one time per show but you can enter over multiple shows the deadline for entry for each show is i believe wednesday at 12 o'clock central time we air the show Saturday morning, so you have like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, half a week to figure out what the secret phrase is, throw your name in there, and get registered. And so on draft night, Tunes is literally going to pull a name out of a hat or something, and that is going to be your winner of the Justin Jefferson jersey. Some people have their name in there three, four times because we started a month ago, and one person I got a hold of, they, I said, you've only entered one time. They go, yeah, I entered the first show, the show you announced it. And I said, no, you can enter every show, and they're all, oh, shit, really? <laughs> So I wanted to point out to these people, we got seven shows left, including tonight, so you can enter every show. Let's talk Vikings football, Drew, shall we? Let's talk Vikings football. So earlier today on the Score North Football podcast, Judd Zolged said the Neil Hunter's people have reached out to him, and we've heard that, that Hunter is not happy with his contract, may in fact hold out. Uh, and apparently, Daniil Hunter wants a five. He currently has three years left on his deal, and he's making about uh, 14 or $15 million per year average. Well, I'm sorry, 12, a little over 12. But he wants a five-year extension, and he wants the average salary during that contract extension to average $27 million a year. That is a lot of cha-ching. <laughs> Drew Punning, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? What would you have done with $27 million a year in the 80s in the Drew Bunting heyday? Would have lasted me about a week and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Pretend that you don't care. You know, we've talked about the Vikings and, and their salary cap issues and the Kirk Cousins contract and them being over. And this is just another tough puzzle piece to fit in when you when you're looking at the at the landscape of what the Vikings can do and the needs they have and the players that want to get paid it seems like this is just from a conceptual point of view that this might be like a bridge too far right now I, I don't know though what, what do you think they're gonna have to start getting rid of some contracts and freeing up some money to, it's a really tough spot because Hunter is the best player on our defense when healthy Yes. He's a game changer defensive end, and I mean it. Nobody in NFL history reached 50 sacks faster than that guy. In history, not the last, the history. Every game ever played, he's the fastest guy to ever get to 50 sacks. He is about as important a piece on the defensive side of the ball as, well, maybe not Patrick Mahomes important, but he is absolutely vital to the success of the Vikings defense, and we saw how bad they were with him out this year. You can't swing $27 a year, Ted. How do they swing that? They got. They need to have that. We saw this year without Hunter what that D-line, especially on the pass rush on the edge, looked like. We had no edge rush, dude. None. None. 
from a leverage perspective, he really doesn't have a whole lot. I mean, if he's got three years left on his contract, right. if he sits out and doesn't play, he's not going to accrue a league year. He's not going to get one year closer to free agency. So in one sense, the Vikings have, they're holding all the cards. But from a realistic standpoint, do you want to really irritate your star defensive player to the point that he doesn't even want to come in and play for you? God, what a tough spot, dude. It is. I, I don't, I don't, that's like, there's some quarterbacks who don't make that kind of money, right? I mean, the top end guys do, but you know, some lower end starters don't guys on their rookie deals. Don't even make anywhere near close every, to that kind of money. Everybody that talks Viking football is saying that he's like, he and Pierce are the two pieces that are going to fix the defense. So now you're talking about going into 2021 without having that piece. I, I think him making that statement is saying, I'm going to hold out. It sure sounds like it, at least for a while. And I guess there are things the Vikings could do. They could backload the contract. But if you're Daniil Hunter, that's not going to work because you want more money now because he signed kind of an undermarket deal at the time. And if they redo his deal, once again, they're probably going to have to convert some salary into a signing bonus. And I'm not going to get into the intricacies of that, but it's essentially delaying money you have to pay on the salary cap or, or spreading it out over X amount of years. And one of the reasons the Vikings are in the tight spot they're in is because they've been doing that the last few years. You affect guys you might not potentially be able to re-sign in two or three years down the road, like maybe Brian O'Neill or Alexander Madison or, or other another guy that we don't know yet who could develop into a top player like Hunter did when, when he was drafted. So uh, the Vikings are in a real tight spot here, I think. It's slowly becoming that league where you got to get guys on their rookie deal and win Super Bowls until they ask for their second contract, and then you move yeah. on. You know, if we, we talked last week about Kirk Cousins' 2022 contract becoming fully guaranteed third day of this league year at $45 million. If they give Hunter this deal and he makes $27 million on average, that's like 37% of your entire salary cap on two guys. I, I mean, what kind of team can you assemble after you do that? This is all after the surgery. I mean, we don't even know how good he's going to be, right? I mean, Yeah. Neck injuries are, are kind of a tricky thing. What if you redo the deal, he hurts his neck again, and he goes on IR and misses a second year? That would be a big nightmare. Oh, jeez. The thing about Daniil Hunter is he plays this big part of the, the Mike Zimmer philosophy of get a lead and just kind of keep it close and then close it out. And I'll say it's it's been successful. I mean, if the Vikings are ahead after three quarters since 2016, they're 42-0. Well, they yeah, that's pretty stinking impressive. That is very impressive. That's better than Ohio State. Oh, wait. Hey. Oh, no. Stop we got, it. We got to start the whole show. <laughs> Jesus. Is that Ohio State? Yeah. Goody? Oh, man. It's that actually is... from the 2007 uh, Ohio State-Michigan game, by the way. Take those ridiculous things off. I, I think a lot of these games are unnecessarily close. We've both said it's like Zimmer loves being in a close game and, and just squeaking one out at the end. And and we kind of found a stat that sort of proves that. And it's not a Kirk Cousins bashing stat, but it breaks down Kirk Cousins' touchdown passes since he's been with the Vikings. Let's see it. When the Vikings are leading by 15 or more points, guess how many touchdown passes Kirk Cousins has? Mm, zero. Zero. He has zero. The big goose egg. Nada. Zip. Zilch. You got nothing in court. You don't got the bookkeeper. You got nothing. Dividing by zero. What happens when you divide by zero? <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. 
Good day, sir. <laughs> you, you end up in a close game. That's what happens. But this goes back to the Vikings' philosophy of just getting a lead and then letting the defense That's keep that lead. Is. That's yeah. what they okay. do. They go look look at that Saints playoff game, the, the miracle game, twenty to nothing. We're rolling along. And then they just changed everything. They try to sit on it, and the Saints just ate away and ate away and ate away, and probably should have won that game. I don't understand that yeah, philosophy when you've got a guy that can throw the ball like Kirk can throw it, and you've got a couple of really good receivers in Thielen and Justin Jefferson and guys you could realistically expect to expand a lead on and, and put the game out of reach. The Vikings just, for whatever reason, don't choose to do that. Better change that philosophy or get that number one defense back you had a few years back. And Better. that's going to be a lot tougher to do if Daniel Hunter decides to sit out and not play. You ain't lying, Ted Glover. I hope Kubiak can stand up and have a pair and say, just do things his own way. I'm really worried about him having the handcuffs on in terms of play calling just because, yes, sir, I'll do this. Yes, sir, I'll run the ball in the second half when we're up by seven. In some respects, it's going to be hard for Clint Kubiak to change that philosophy in Mike Zimmer because Mike Zimmer's felt that way his entire professional career. And to his credit, he's had a lot of success doing it. Clint Kubiak's a brand new offensive coordinator. Yes, he's uh, Clint, son of Gary Kubiak, but he's he doesn't have that level of experience I, that maybe Gary Kubiak could have said, hey, look, appreciate what you want to do, Mike, but we've got some horses here. Let's ride them. I, I don't know that Clint Kubiak will have that, that stature to be able to go into Mike Zimmer's office and say, look, I, I want to start putting teams away in the third quarter and, and just dropping dimes to Thielen and, and Jefferson when we're up by 17 points or whatever. You know what, Ted? If you're going to give up 30-plus points a game, you better change your philosophy. You're going to be on the L side. I mean, again, and that's especially true if the Vikings' defense doesn't improve a whole lot. I mean, it's a, it's a good philosophy if, if you have the number one or top five defense, but we saw the Vikings' defense last year, and they were a bottom five defense. You, you try and do that with a bottom five defense, you're going to end up seven and nine, if not worse, which is exactly what we saw last year. Nothing. We don't want any to repeat from last year at all. Oh, and I would argue they were lucky to be seven and nine. Well, considering how this team is, it's about the best we could have done. <laughs> Come on, man. Put your game face on. Next time you have lunch with Zimmer, tell him to put his game face on, Ted. Next time I have lunch with Zimmer? What the hell is a game face? It... I, I don't know. What's that... a game face? Let me see your war face. Sir, you got a war face? Ah! Man. Just just for the record, what you just did was an epileptic seizure. That was not a game face. <laughs> All right, so that's pretty much hits it for Vikings news. Some kind of exciting news if you're an NFL fan. It looks like the NFL is closing in on a 17-game schedule for 2020. And in that 17-game schedule, it looks like they're going to have a Christmas doubleheader and then a Monday night football wildcard playoff game. Badass. Which could be kind of cool. That'd be kind of fun, man. As badly as COVID messed up the 2020 season, yeah. when they just decided to have uh, one buy team and just have like this mega wild card weekend, that was that was a pretty entertaining weekend. So that, that was a great football weekend for pro football. With the 17th regular season game, they're going to drop one preseason game, so they're going to drop that down to three. The 17th opponent, it looks like, will be the Los Angeles Chargers, and it will be a road game in SoFi Stadium. But the last time the Vikings played the Chargers in L.A., it was that old soccer, that little soccer stadium that had 25,000 people, <laughs> 20,000 of which were Vikings fans, if you remember that. I do remember that. I do remember that. So, so you, you, you liking this? I'm pretty fired up by having an extra game, Ted. Why not? More football, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
they're going to have to push the Super Bowl back, I think, an extra week. I read where the Super Bowl is not going to be until February 13th, I think it is now. So the or Vikings what? better change their plans. So if, if you had a vacation plan the weekend of February 13th, Vikings fans, you better cancel those plans now because Super Bowl, homeboy. Yeah! <laughs> That's what I like to hear. That's the Ted Glover saying I love to hear. I think I don't have any more NFL news or Vikings news. Drew, is there anything specific you uh, wanted to talk about? No, I don't have any more NFL news. All except right. that Jake Reed opened our show! That's right. Jake Reed, baby. Jake Reed. <laughs> and it's very cool that Jake Reed opened our show because tonight our positional group breakdown rolls on. And what are we talking about? What position do we happen to be talking about, Drew Bunting? We got wide receivers! What are the Vikings going to do about wide receivers? I don't know because I would argue wide receiver three is a pretty serious need for the Vikings heading into this offseason, whether it's free agency or the draft. But I came across a, a statistic and by came across mean I researched it and tweeted it out. The Vikings don't use wide receiver three very much. Since 2014, the one season where the Vikings used the third wide receiver a fair amount was 2016 when Cordero Patterson had 52 catches. Now, if you remember, 2016 was the year the entire offensive line was murdered by ISIS and they were having guys in the third row starting by week eight. <laughs> and then it was it was like, I think it was the second or third worst running game in franchise history. They could not, they, they simply could not run the ball. Sam Bradford had to throw on just about every down, but they've averaged not more than 30 to 35 catches for RW3. And this past year in 2020, which wide receiver had the third most catches on the team? And what was that number? Do you think? BB. Yes. Know how many he had? 30. 20. 20. So, you know, better than BB. Come on, man. We talk about WR3 being a big need, but is it if you don't use him? That depends. How often are they going to run that 11 personnel with the three wideouts? It's, uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting tidbit. The league average on the three wideout alignment, Ted, back in 2008, 28% of the time it was run in the league. Now it's up to 60. Is it really? I mean, that's why these wide receivers in the draft, that's why there's so many taken now every year. I don't know if it's, it, it, it should be because of depth and injuries. That's why you got to have a good number three. I couldn't agree more. And I would argue with as much uh, 11 personnel as the league is running or the three wide receiver set that that role is almost arguably a starter job now, except in Minnesota where we run four tight ends, a fullback and the wing T formation. After you get past Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, here is the litany of future Hall of Famers at the wide receiver position for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> KJ Osborne, oh. BC Johnson, Dan Chisena, and the aforementioned Chad Beebe, who just, hang on, yes, Chad Beebe heard his name, turned around, and pulled a muscle in his neck. He's out six weeks. And Chad Beebe, Chad Beebe's going to be a restricted free agent. I mean, golly! Is there anybody that gets hurt more than Chad Beebe? No. You remember his dad, though? Tough as nails. Don Beebe? Don Beebe for the Bills, yeah. He yeah. never got hurt, man. He would literally get pile-drived into the turf. And get up and go, okay, let's play football. Chad Beebe watches a highlight of his dad getting pile-drived into the turf and breaks a rib. He is no Don Beebe, baby. <laughs> oh, it's awful. So that's the current roster. Now, with Chad Beebe being a restricted free agent, is there any way, shape, or form that you would want to see the Vikings bring him back? I think after Thielen and Justin Jefferson, it's pretty much a crapshoot of what you want. I think they have to keep one of those guys, B.C. Johnson or Beebe, all the rest of them. I don't know who Dan Chesna is. I don't either. He's going to be in the CFL in three weeks. 
Are we going to look at free agents after Tasha Sharp? What happened with him last year? I mean, <laughs> the, the key free agent signing of the, of the offseason last year, three targets, not three catches, not three catches, three targets, zero catches for 0.0 yards. Why did they sign that guy? Why? I, I, I don't know. Because they never played him. Why? I, I just I just don't get it. He's such a beautiful you know, there are some intriguing guys out there. I, you got your top guys like Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green. Larry Fitzgerald said he's going to retire. Oh, I didn't know that. Marvin Jones is out there. Cordero Sammy Patterson. Is, yeah, Sammy Watkins. One guy that has already kind of been, I don't want to say rumored or linked to the Vikings, but that's the words they have used, Right, is, is Keelan Cole, the Jaguars wide receiver. And people are saying he was close with new Vikings wide receiver coach Keenan McCardell, who left Jacksonville and had that job last year. And he might be a respectable option and, and a guy that's fairly affordable. What are your thoughts on him? His numbers don't really jump out, but I would probably leave that up to Keenan McCardell. I did look up I saw some footage on Keelan Cole. He seems like to be just a normal wideout. He would be a good free agent signing, but he'd have to be on the cheap. I don't know if he's going to really blister any secondaries, but I, I think we need two, Ted. And I think it's going to be one free agent, maybe one in the draft. I like Keelan Cole, though. I, he, yeah, he, I do, too. just had a little argument about him, but. She doesn't see Keelan Cole quite like I do. Tunes is pretty cutthroat when it comes to looking. Is she? Myself. Oh, that guy, that guy's crap. Get him out of here. <laughs> well, former Viking Cordero Patterson is going to be an unrestricted. You know what? Agent. Kick returns are getting phased out of the game. He doesn't do enough receiving. I don't know. Uh, Danny Amendola is going to be 74. What do you think about him? Oh, him and Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. The guy's a strip in Vegas. Him and Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> I have a couple guys on my list that I think are intriguing. Who you got? Will Fuller's on here. And, of course, he's probably going to demand too much money for us to sign. He was my number one uh, wide receiver in 2016 coming out of the draft. I'm a big Will Fuller fan. Curtis Samuel's probably going to cost too much money, but I think he's a great Yeah! Player. What school did he go to, Drew? <laughs> I thought I would be able to sneak that by. Did, Never. He, he did go to Ohio State. He beat you in Curtis, overtime. I don't want Curtis Samuel on my list. <laughs> He's off the list. No, listen to these last two names. These aren't big blockbuster names, but they're actually guys I did some research on, and I think they would work out good at number three, and I think we could get them on the cheap. Tim Patrick, who played for the Broncos, who's a free agent. 51 catches, 742 yards, six touchdowns, and he made 750000 bucks. His footage looks good. Looks like a really reliable receiver, durable, doesn't get hurt a lot. Probably my number one guy I do like. There's this cat that plays for Indy, and his name is Zach Pascal. And out of all the free agents I researched when you gave me the list earlier in the week, he was my favorite. He plays slot. He catches a lot of bubble screens. He just seems really active and really comfortable, and he seems really smooth in his routes. 44 catches, 629, five touchdowns. He's only 27 years old. He's one of the younger guys on this entire free agent long list that we got going here. I don't know, Zach Piscal and Tim Patrick from the Broncos. I like those two guys. We're now, not going to get them, so that's the, yeah. that'll be the end. We'll never talk about them again. I think the draft is where the Vikings can probably find some good players. And if you're talking about draft history with the Vikings since 2007, since Rick Spielman's been either the GM or in the decision-making process, the Vikings have drafted 19 wide receivers in that time. 
the most in any position group we've talked about so far. And he's hit on, on several. We've had some pretty good players get drafted by the Vikings. We've had Percy Harvin, Justin Jefferson, of course, who had that record-setting rookie season last year. Hell yeah! Sidney Rice had a couple really good years, especially in 09 with Brett Favre. Now you're bringing it. Jarius Wright was a fairly reliable WR3 for the Vikings for Should a few years. Should have never let that guy go. And then we've had, you know... Cordero Patterson, I think you could argue Cordero Patterson, he had his moments. Um, and then Drew Bunting, we've had some other players. Hit me. Laquan Treadwell. Uh, Andre Allison. Oh, Stephon Diggs was very good. Oh, can't forget Stephon Diggs. Andre Allison. Rodney Adams. The punt returner of the year, K.J. Osborne. Chandler Williams, who I don't think ever played it down in the NFL. And you cannot forget the infamous Maritz Boringer Mobo. Next big thing. Yeah, I got tape of him playing over in Germany. (laughs) It's kind of been either a feast or famine for the Vikings. For every Justin Jefferson, there's been a Laquan Treadwell. Who are some of the draft prospects we need to be looking at? And what do you think the Vikings' chances of taking a wide receiver overall are there, Drew? I think they're going to take a couple wide receivers. With all those assorted picks they have in the third and fourth round, I think it's five picks. Yeah. They should get a guy then. The first thing is we get into the wideouts. It's a very deep class. I had to pick 15. It was extremely hard to get to these 15 guys because there could have been 25. The last 10 could have been the 15th guy. It was really different. There's a lot of good wideouts, Ted. It looks like it because you have your number 15 guy going anywhere from the third to the fourth round. Yeah. Everybody on this list will be gone by the fifth round. This is a big year for me and my my wide receiver board because in 2019, all 15 of my guys got drafted. In 2020, all 15 of my guys got drafted. So we're heading into the trifecta year. Last year, do you know how many wide receivers got drafted? I don't know. 37. (laughs) By the end of the second round, 20% of all the players taken in the NFL were wide receivers. Seriously? Yes. This is how much of a demand the wide receiver positions are. So who are some of the guys you want to talk about on this list? I got three guys who I am very, very excited about, Ted. I will not be using terms like oily hips. And you're watching them turn and open their, you know, open up. Yeah. Oily hips. Oily, you have oily <laughs> hips. <laughs> if you want something with oily hips, you sure as hell ain't tuning into Vikings report. How about this one? He keeps his knees over his feet. <laughs> Anatomically, I think that's kind of a requirement, but I don't know. It's kind of like a Casey Kasem. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Keep your feet in the ground and keep reaching for the stars. That's now, very cool. Now, you may not hear those fancy schmancy catchphrases, but you will hear and watch half-assed all the time. That's going to be our go-to phrase <laughs> in what we do on this show. Never half-assed two things. Whole ass one thing. We don't half-ass anything. We whole-ass one thing on this show, if, if nothing else, folks. <laughs> so t- take it away with your draft, guys, Drew. <laughs> okay, the first guy I got on my list, you may even know this guy. He's a guy out of Purdue. His name's Rondale Moore. Oh, I can't forget Rondale Moore. As an Ohio State fan, that was, I don't know if you remember that game, that was the Tyler Trent game. He was a big-time Purdue fan. He was dying of of the very rare form of bone cancer, and, like, his kind of dying wish was to see Purdue beat Ohio State. And he was at the game. He had just gotten out of the hospital. Purdue was about as fired up as I've ever seen a football team play. Oh, they played out of their minds that game. 
you know, Tyler Trent died maybe, I think, a year after that game. And so he got to see his football wish come true. Ohio State still beat Michigan, still beat Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game and still won the Rose Bowl. So whatever. That, that kid, Rondale Moore, ate Ohio State up that night. My God. He had a couple touchdowns. I think he had 6,000 yards receiving. That's why I wanted to do him first. Last week, we saved the Viking guy for last. This is the guy, Ted. This is the guy that is right up there with Jamar Chase, Waddle. This could be the best receiver in this entire draft. Are you serious? I'm not even joking. He's got a big red flag, which we'll get to in a minute, but he is easily after the footage. Well, I'm going to show you this footage. First off, this could be the most electric, dynamic guy in this entire draft. Shifty, elusive. All you want to do is get him in space and get the ball in his hands, and he can score every time he touches it. He's all over the place. He can't be stopped. One of the first things I saw about him when when I did some draft research, Rondale Moore might be better suited going to a team that has a creative play caller. So right off the bat, I don't know if we're getting him. (laughs) Well, we got to wait and see what Clint Kubiak does. We'll see. Look at these highlights. There's not much that Rondale Moore can't do, Ted. He could run back punts out of the slot. You can have him out of the backfield. You could line him up anywhere. He's kind of a small dude. I mean, 5'9 and 175. I've eaten burritos bigger than that. He's not a very big cat, but he's great on run after catch. You can use him on special teams. You can use him on bubble screens or slants, but you can also send him on vertical deep routes like Tyreek Hill. He's very similar to Tyreek Hill. Very similar. Really? Yes, and he's one wow. of the faster guys in the draft of the four four five. Percy Harvin esque is what these highlights are. The way you're describing him and, and the way I'm watching, he, he's electrifying. And the last guy I felt that could take the football to the house from anywhere on the field was Percy Harvin. Yes. And if you tell me the Vikings can get a Percy Harvin guy, sign me up. I'm in. But there is the red flag that I mentioned earlier that's not only dropped him down on a lot of people's draft boards, I see him at 15 to 20 on some people's draft boards. It's the injury problem, Ted. It's the injury problem with him. He's only played seven games the last two years. Mm. Nicked up a lot, banged up a lot. This is, I think, the first time I've ever had a guy in my top 15 that has injury problems. Yeah. I don't research him. I don't put him on my list. I don't get near him because if you're injured in, in college, more likely you're going to carry that over to the pros what is rondale moore has so much upside i had to put him on here if this guy doesn't get hurt and he can stay on the field he will be right up there with the top three guys on the on my board if he can drop to the third or the fourth late in the third or whenever we have one of those picks i would use a flyer on him then because he's first round talent if he's healthy okay the next guy is a cat named amon ross st brown the younger brother of Equinox or Equilibrium. What the hell is his name? <laughs> what not? Equimedius St. Brown? Is that what it is? I think so, yeah. Equilibrium. This is the St. Brown who's good, though. <laughs> younger brother. Played for the great modern day high school, which was a pipeline for many NFL players, if you remember right. Five-star recruit in high school. Matter of fact, he was the number one recruited wide receiver in the entire state of California. Everybody in the country sent him a scholarship, and he wanted to stay close to home in Southern Cal, so he played for USC. He was a Trojan. Hit the ground running as a freshman, 60 catches as a sophomore. He caught nine TVs in only six games. His career, Ted, at USC, 178 catches, 2,270 yards, and 16 touchdowns. I love, and guys make the Drew Big Board because they're tough. This guy's tough, he's competitive, and he fights for the football. 
Some guys, Ted, just look natural. They look natural playing football. That's a lot of what this guy shows. He's probably going to be more of a slot guy at the next level. He will play outside the numbers. He had like 235 snaps for USC outside the numbers, but most of his work was from the inside slot. But he dominates the middle of the field. He has a little bit of that Steve Smith flippy off after he catches it. Nice. I like that in the play. I do too. So he's tough. He's got a little bit of that mean streak going. Unless, like- unless of course, it's Steve Smith doing the actual love boat celebration against the Vikings in 2005. The boat rowing could have something to do with the Vikings party on two boats on Lake Minnetonka. I was so broken as a Vikings fan by that point, I just, all I could do was laugh. Steve Smith has my greatest <laughs> football analyst moment, and it came on NFL Network last year. I love him. Throw the ball. Sometimes that worked out, like on the Kittle touchdown where he extended it. That's that's my boy, Steve Smith. Uh, the only thing that Amon Rod struggles with a little bit, he has a little bit of trouble in press coverage, which, you know, if you can't play press coverage, you end up like Laquan Treadwell and out of the league. But he's got a really explosive first step. He can find the open zones. If he makes it to the third or fourth round, I would definitely take him. Okay. Last guy on my list from North Carolina. He's number 15 on my list. He made the cut because I couldn't keep him off because he's a great punt returner. And I know what you're thinking. Drew said he was going to find me a punt returner. I found him. Daz Newsom, as you'll see him on these highlights, I believe it's the first clip. Daz Newsom running back a punt. He loves to run back kicks. He loves to play special teams. But he played on North Carolina. And if you remember when we did the running backs, Ted, remember I talked about Javante Williams and Michael Carter. They ran the offense through those guys. They both had 1,000 yards, I believe. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. 2,400 together and 29 touchdowns. Well, that being said, Daz Newsom still had 54 catches for 684 yards and six touchdowns. No kidding. And that's not easy to do if you have a run-first offense. I wanted to factor that in with his punt return capability. Another small stature guy, 5'11", 190. But he can run back punts. He is outstanding and precise route runner. Like St. Brown. I forgot to mention that about St. Brown. St. Brown stays after practice two hours every practice to run routes only. Just Does he really? Back. Yeah, Daz Newsom is also a precise route runner. 126 catches over his career at uh, North Carolina, 1,700 yards, 16 touchdowns. Another guy who's fearless over the middle, Ted. I want to say great hands, but don't they all have to have great hands to play wide out? I hate using that. Troy Troy Williamson didn't. He's got great hands. Oh, remember that? Oh, sorry. Just dropped it again. What's wrong with that guy? So are those all the guys you're going to talk about? Uh, those are the three that I have spotlighted out of my 15. I appreciate you not mentioning Devontae Smith, who just scored again against Ohio State, by the way. <laughs> yeah, let me let me go real quick and tell you about if anybody had any particular questions. If you're looking for a burner, just a flat-out burner in this draft head, any of the top five besides Bateman's a hair slower, so it's a top four out of five. Chase Smith, Waddle, Tony, Rondale Moore, who I mentioned in the in the segment, Marquez Stevenson, Blazer, Elijah Moore, also fast. The best punt returners you're going to find are Waddle, Devontae Smith, Rondale Moore once again, Daz Newsom, Kadarius Tony from Florida, and Elijah Moore. Also, there's a guy who's a great punt returner that's not on my list from uh, Western Michigan named Dwayne Eskridge. He was number 17, and we only go with the top 15. He cried a little. We talked him through it. We talked about it. <laughs> He's, you I guys told, good? You guys yeah, are good, we're, though? We're good. All right. I see the first round rounding out. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle will all go in the first round. I don't know what order they're going in, but they're all going in the first round. Rashad Bateman and Kadarius Toney could go late first round, but they will be gone by halfway through the second round. 
Okay. There could be five like there was last year. That's how I see it playing out. But I see all these guys going pretty early, Ted. We've talked a lot about wide receiver, and I think we both agree that wide receiver is an important piece of the puzzle for the Vikings to solve this offseason. Um, and that kind of leads us into two viewer questions, and then we'll wrap up this segment. And they, they come from a Minnesota fan out west from one of the Daily Norseman comments and Skull Light. And I, I think you kind of answered Skull Light's question. He said he, he would prefer trading back to get that second-round pick back, and I think we both would be okay with that. Great idea. But what do you value the most in rounds three and four? And it sounds like the way you've been talking that wide receiver would be an optimal pick just based on depth for the Vikings in rounds three or four. Yes. Well, you can get a fine mixture of still getting a blue chip guy because there's so many good players and then still having depth after that. If you wanted to grab another one later in the sixth round. But I think I mean, you get these guys with second round talent, maybe in the fourth round, if teams start taking other positions. So I would like to see us grab a wide receiver in the third round. Now, that that's kind of the opposite of what Minnesota fan out West is asking. He's like with all the picks that the Vikings have, he would like to see them move up as much as possible and have less picks, but better players, essentially. Are you in favor of that? And would you favor getting a wide receiver at 14? No, the reason I wouldn't take a wide receiver at 14 is because you already have your two starters pretty much set. And I know a lot of people, a lot of mocks have us, you know, I don't want to spend the 14th overall pick on a wide receiver. We have Jefferson, we have Thielen, and we got to talk about them being healthy. If they're healthy, they're your starter. So you're looking for a wide receiver number three. Yeah. If there was only six good wide receivers in this draft class, I would probably think about it. And I know people say, well, we had Jake Reed. We had Jake Reed and Chris Carter. We took Randy Moss. Let me let me ask you something, though. If there's a Randy Moss in this draft, on this sheet, on this board, you tell me who it is, and then we'll go take him. Because I don't see a guy that plays like Randy Moss. That's a okay. big part of it. And also, in 98, wasn't our offensive and defensive lines in a little bit better shape than they are now? Just a wee bit, yeah. That's my argument against taking him at 14. But Jamar Chase didn't even play last year, dude. He opted out because of COVID, right? But he had like 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns the year before. He didn't need to play. Jamar Chase is the real deal. I think he's going to be the first guy taken. I mean, how do you feel about taking a wide receiver at 14? Here's my thing. I I 100% agree with you that the Vikings must address the offensive and defensive line. I don't know that there's a guy that plays on either side of the ball on the line that is worth taking at 14. So I'm kind of in favor of trading down and getting that second round pick back if they can and maybe getting a lineman later. Because I think between 14 and, and 32, the old linemen are, are fairly close in terms of talent from what I've seen so far. If I can't trade down and I want a guy that can change the game for me, I would seriously look at wide receiver. But now you're talking about taking a wide receiver on a team that plays three wide receiver sets, I think, less than anybody else in the NFL. 18% of the time or something? Yeah. So is that a wasted pick as well? I I don't know. I mean, we just don't know with Clint Kubiak. I can kind of see both sides of the argument here. I would trade down if I could and get a lineman in in the 20s and then probably come back in the second round if I can get that pick back and look at maybe like a guy like Rashad Bateman if he's still around. Yeah, or you talked about that Purdue kid, you know, if he's still around. I the Vikings have options. I just, I, I don't know that they can get as big of an impact player for the offensive and defensive line at 14 as they could for a wide receiver, for example. But that's just my philosophy on it. I agree with your philosophy 100%, Ted. I would love to trade that pick back to like maybe eight to 10 spots back, picking 22 or 24, trade back to there, pick up a second rounder and probably another pick along with the second rounder. It's probably going to cost somebody a couple picks. That's my thinking right at this time. Um, when this show airs, it'll be Saturday, March 6th. So we'll be 54 days away from our draft party. 
Woohoo! My opinions may change, but I am right with you on that. So that wraps up our wide receiver segment. I think now we're going to roll into a commercial, and then we'll come back with trivia and uh, a special segment to end the show. Why are women so happy about new Tickle antiperspirant? Is it because Tickle is the first roll-on with a big, wide ball? (laughs) Is it because Tickle comes in four fresh fragrances? (laughs) Or... Is it because Tickle helps keep you dry all day? (laughs) Make yourself happy. Staying drier is nicer with a little Tickle. Be right there. Seems like a nice girl, Joey. And she makes a great sauce pop. Your girlfriend's making sauce? Ragu. From a jar? It's made like yours, Ma, with ripe tomatoes. Cheese? Romano cheese. Spices, herbs. (laughs) Just like you, Ma. Come on, Ma, eat. Smells like yours, Teresa. Joseph. Ma? She might make you a good wife. Mm. (laughs) Ragu spaghetti sauce. That's Italian. All right. Welcome to Toonsis Trivia. How you guys doing? Hello, Toonsis. Hello, Toonsis. How are you today? I am doing good. What are we doing for Triv today? So today we've been asked by the viewers for you guys to have a heads up straight battle. Oh, Ted Glover, ready for your beatdown? All righty then. (laughs) Oh man, this is going to be good. All right, so I would like to thank a few people for some questions. We had some questions here from Tony Bell, Mary Fisk. Oh, D. Gats and Kyle from the Vikings Gazette. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys and gals. All right, here we go. Number one. (laughs) All right. Who was the first Vikings rookie to ever be named a starter on a Bud Grant coach team? Chuck Foreman. The answer was Darren Nelson. Neither of you got it. Darren Nelson? I said Darren Nelson. That's what I said. Number two. What Vikings player scored the first points in team history? Uh, Bob Schnelker. No. Fran Tarkenton. No, the answer was Mike Mercer on a 12-yard field goal. Mike Mercer. I did know that. I did know that. All right, number three. Who were the first Vikings to compete in a Pro Bowl? There's two of them. Hugh McElhenney and Fran Tarkenton. Hugh McElhenney was one of them. Drew, got a guess? Hugh McElhenney and Tommy Mason. Nope, Jerry Reichow. That's half a Um, point for (laughs) Ted. Yeah! (laughs) Rolling! Commanding lead. Number four, Jim Finks was named the Vikings' second general manager succeeding Burt Rose. Where had Jim Finks previously served as a general manager? Green Bay. No. Drew? Chicago. No, the correct answer was Calgary of the Canadian Football League. Damn it! Number five, in October of 1987, a routine afternoon game at the Metrodome was moved to Monday night to accommodate a Twins playoff game. What team did the Vikings play in that game that most of the nation never saw? Dallas. Incorrect. Drew? New York Giants. Denver Broncos was the correct answer. I knew that. We are we are just we're terrible. <laughs> Follow-up question. In that game, what Vikings player scored three rush, rushing touchdowns? In 1987? Alfred Anderson. No. God. Oh, I thought that was it. Rick Fenny. No, DJ Dozier. It's still a half to nothing? It's yeah. A, 
We're on question number seven and it's a half to nothing. <laughs> Are you not ashamed of yourself? Are you not embarrassed? This is really embarrassing. All right. Before he was general manager, what position did Rick Spielman have with the Vikings? Cornholer, director of uh, director of pro personnel, guy that ran and got the coffee. Before he was with the Vikings, or his position with the Vikings before he became GM. The latter. Yeah, director of pro player personnel. Close enough. Vice president of player personnel. I was gonna say head nurse. <laughs> Alrighty, next question. The play for the Minneapolis Miracle was called what? Buffalo Right 7 Heaven. Correct. Oh 2.5 for Ted. Yeah! Question nine. Who did the Vikings play in their first Super Bowl? Kansas City Kansas Chiefs. City. Ted got that. Sorry, Drew. Yeah. Oh. Question 10. What two brothers played together with the Vikings for four seasons from 2008 to 2011? Oh, um, uh, Abdullah, the Abdullah brothers, Hussein Abdullah and his brother. Incorrect, Drew. Damn it. Jake Reed and Dale Carter. Incorrect. Aaron and EJ Henderson. Oh, oh right. duh. All right. Question 11. In what year was the Met Stadium demolished? 1982. 80. No, 85. Oh, oh, it stayed up that long. Okay. All right. Question 12. After Percy Harvin was traded to Seattle in March 2013 for three draft picks, who did the Vikings draft with the 25th pick overall in the first round? Cordero Patterson. Incorrect. Drew? Sharif oh. Floyd. I don't know. Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes. All right, Drew, you have to get the next three. Which Viking holds the record for the most consecutive Pro Bowl honors with 11? Randall McDaniel. Randall McDaniel. Ted got in. Oh. Sorry. Yeah! All right, Ted's the winner, but let's see if you can get one, Drew. Go ahead. I'll get this one. Which Vikings quarterback was the son-in-law of a former Viking, Bill Brown? Bob Berry. I don't know. Rich Gannon. Correct, Ted. All right, Drew. Last question. <laughs> <laughs> Before Brett Favre wore number four for the Vikings in 2009 and 10, who is the only other Vikings quarterback to wear that number? Brooks Bollinger. No. Ugh. Got a guess, Ted? Was it a Wasn't kicker? it McLeod Bethel Thompson? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was another quarterback. Was it Chad May? No, it was Archie Manning. Oh, that's right, in 82. Really? Wow, okay. I, I don't think I won that. Never going to do that again. Thanks for <laughs> Why thanks, not? Thanks for playing. You want to get your butt kicked every time? <laughs> I don't. I, hey, I'm gamer, man. I'll keep coming back for more till I win. Congratulations, Ted. You win. Thank you. Thank all you. Right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for playing. Thanks, wow. Tunes, and thanks for all the good questions for everybody out there. To wrap up the show tonight, we're kind of ending it on a somber note. You know, when Drew hit me up about about starting the show, he said, "Hey, I've got a great idea. Let's go retro and let's kind of go old school because nobody's doing that." And he had this brilliant idea to use the old NFL Today intro because for Drew and I growing up watching the Vikings, the NFL Today pregame show on CBS was as much of our Sunday ritual as watching the Vikings were. You know, they had Brent Musburger, Phyllis George, Jimmy the Greek Snyder, and Irv Cross, and they were, I think they still, to this day, are the gold standard in, in TV pregame television shows, and, and sadly, this past week, one of the key members of that TV announcing team, Irv Cross, passed away. 
for, for those of you that don't know, and I, I was too young to remember, he was a very good NFL player, defensive back for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, again, a part of our childhood is, has gone away now with, with the passing of Irv Cross. And I just remember those pregame shows with him and Phyllis and, and Brent and Jimmy the Greek just getting us ready for football and not a lot of the, the goofy stuff you see on some of the pregame shows. They were a great team. They looked, worked well together. They had a lot of fun and they informed us as well. And it's kind of in a lot of ways, the inspiration for what we try and do on, on this show, inform you and have fun doing it. So um, really sad to hear about Irv Cross passing away and um, thoughts and prayers to the family of Irv Cross. And Drew, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take this one home. Very, very well said, Smitty. Thank you for the kind words. You know, I read something in the Gallahorn group, which is our Vikings group today, and it was said by Man Bear Pig, and I wanted to pass it along because it really encapsulate, if that's the right word, everything I wanted, I was thinking about with Irv Cross. And Man Bear said, you know, that show NFL Today and Irv Cross, that was really my football awakening. And I couldn't think of a better term than awakening. That was it for that was it for us. That was part of our football DNA. That was the show that put pregame football on the map. My favorite part of the show is probably Irv Cross because for one, his energy, always smiling. Nowadays they have one talker and then four people on a panel that are all football players. Irv was responsible to bring all the football knowledge. And he did. And he did it very well. And also what was really cool about Irv Cross. He would do these specials like that would talk about what the players did in the offseason, like a guy was maybe in a country western band or a guy who worked on a farm. He did a lot of player profiles about what they did outside of football, and I loved all that. People, we all root for our teams, and we all root for different players, but I really think everybody rooted for a guy like Curve Cross, I think. Yeah, and, and he, seemed like, he seemed like a real genuine guy and, and, and a guy that wouldn't have an enemy in the world. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's sad. It's, uh, it's a sad day, and... Your words covered it really well. I think we should take it home with that. Tonight we say goodnight, Irv Cross, and say goodnight, Ted. Goodnight, Ted.